I'm Jason Hopkins, founder and president of The Connection Project. Welcome to Everyday Brave, a podcast series for emergency responders by emergency responders. We explore real-world issues that each of us face. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and instill hope that we are all in this together. Thank you for joining us on this journey to become more connected to ourselves and others. Let's get started. Today on this episode of the Everyday Brave podcast, I'm joined by Emily Locke. Emily is a manager of performance improvement for the city and county of Denver Department of Public Safety. In her role, Emily has created comprehensive employee-driven initiatives, such as a safety well-being initiative to proactively address the quality of life and professional culture of emergency responders and the public safety industry. She has implemented programs like a groundbreaking collaboration of law enforcement, fire services, and other city agencies to provide in-house yoga, mindfulness training, and physical therapy to address the root causes and traumatic impacts of public safety work. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. So glad you're here. So as we jump in, thank you for your contributions um, to better support the communities you're working with. Um, I feel certain that those accomplishments um, and where you are today is not where you started. Um, Tell me how this work evolved and began. Um, So 13 long years ago, um, when I joined the Department of Public Safety as a civilian employee, it was really important to me to get to know the day-to-day work and the culture of our agencies. Sure. Um, so I support the Denver 911 police, fire, sheriff, community corrections, um, and youth diversion functions for the city of Denver. So obviously, it's a very interesting and challenging industry right. um, to jump into if you haven't had prior experience before. Right. It was probably a, a shocking experience, I'm guessing, in many respects. Absolutely. Especially the portions around the things that our employees are exposed to on a daily basis. Um, I think we can think about the the large-scale incidents, the critical incidents, the especially tragic incidents that occur, um, but really just the day-to-day from call to call, um, everything from one of our 911 employees picks up the phone and hears someone in pain and has to help them through that crisis, um, to our officers or firefighters or even our case managers that are trying to help people navigate really challenging and negative times in their lives. Right. So in those 13 years that you've been doing this work, how have things changed? The need for supports for our employees has not changed. I'm I'm very pleased to say that I hear a lot more conversation and recognition um, that we're asking human beings to do very superhuman work. Sure. And inevitably, that's going to take a toll on them, both professionally, um, being able to be at their best 100% of the time um, in very dangerous and constantly evolving situations, um, but also in terms of their private life. Their families, um, they see and hear things that they don't necessarily want to expose their family to. Um, And so that creates difficulty in maintaining those relationships. Um, And so really, it's just more that the conversations changed. And I think we're getting a better handle on recognizing the need to help our employees do the really difficult work that we ask of them. So do you think that we're we're changing culturally where we're more open to having these conversations than we used to be in the past? Has that changed? Absolutely. 13 years ago, um, one of the things that I learned really quickly was that Denver was well positioned beyond other agencies in the public safety and emergency responder industry. Um, I was really surprised to learn that behavioral health, mental health, um, these were things that the culture didn't really talk about very openly. Um, okay. We can talk about physical injuries. We can talk about uh, the difficult things we see and hear operationally, but we don't really talk about how that affects us. What I've learned is that because you need to basically armor up to do these jobs, to display humanity, to allow that humanity and emotional aspect of an interaction to come to the forefront, 
Um, that can literally mean life-threatening situations for you and of for course. those there. Um, and so how do you constantly walk that tightrope of balancing your humanity um, while treating others with that armored physique, if you will, and that armored personality? Yeah, I think that's spot on. You know, and, and the thing that I've observed in doing this work is um, a lot of the training is really training our emergency responders to be invulnerable. And then all of a sudden we're asking them to pull in all of these more human sort of emotions or concepts in doing the work they're doing and how they relate to others and themselves. Um, so there's almost a disconnect in how we originally trained people. I like seeing that there is an evolution of realizing that this is a more blended um, sort of uh, initiative from the very beginning. So the the work that you all are doing at the city and county of Denver is you call it a well-being initiative, right? Yes. So help help us understand what does well-being mean from from your perspective, um, and and how can how can the layperson that's listening really understand what that encompasses? Sure, it's a good question. A lot of people use that term, and I think it really means different things to different people. Sure. Um, for us, philosophically, well-being well-being really means balance. Okay. That means that your Mental and emotional safety and well-being, as well as your physical safety and security and well-being, are all in that proper alignment so that you can perform well at your job, you can function well at home, you have a high quality of life, both during the time that you're an employee of the city and county of Denver, but also once you move past that into retirement. Sure. Um, because your, your close association of your identity with this job and the work you do won't automatically turn off. Correct. The day that you turn in your badge, if you will. Um, we need to make sure that we offer tools and supports for employees throughout their entire life cycle. I think that's fantastic. So are there elements of well-being that you all are focused on? I know a lot of the other agencies I've worked with, they often call it wellness, which I'm assuming is is kind of an interrelated word. You all have chosen well-being. Um, are there some components that you see that frame this well-being work? Absolutely. I think the key about our model is that because we're integrating the cultures and the personalities of several different aspects of the emergency responder and public safety community, it's important to us to create a framework where we can support the employees, support what they need, um, and create some consistency around those commonalities that we see, but at the same time really respecting the individual strengths and needs from each of those different areas. Um, so it really is just creating that framework where we can balance those things. Um, we have fantastic wellness coordinators embedded within each of our agencies um, okay. that we partner with. Um, and it really is that combination of physical wellness, physical fitness, nutrition, hydration, along with your mental and emotional supports, whether that is um, contracting with culturally informed providers who understand the work that they do and the impacts that has, uh, making that accessible for our employees, and also engaging in what is rather non-traditional for this industry. Um, we've really emphasized proactive tools such as yoga and mindfulness um, for our employees to help them, um, again, just take ownership of those tools. What can I do to self-regulate and to self-care? I love that. I think that's really great work that you're doing. So are there different nuances among the cultures of the agencies you serve? You know, is it different for fire than it is for police or, or EMS? Do they all speak similar language mostly or... What's different? When I first started this work so many years ago, um, I was told it's very siloed. It's very unique and specific to each aspect in each agency. Right. Um, but really what we have found is that there are certain common threads and commonalities. Um, if you think about it, on many of these, um, especially larger scale incidents, uh, we have what we call a multi-agency response. So you may have 
911 personnel taking that call, sure. um, fire and EMS responding from a medical support, and then law enforcement arriving to do their portion of the public safety work on that scene, um, they're seeing and hearing and experiencing the same set of circumstances. They're working together as a team. And so why would we silo off those self-care and well-being aspects away from them? Why not help that entire team have the tools where they can um, better look out for themselves and for one another? And I think another important piece is that um, part of this culture is that it may be very difficult for me to take off that armor and to admit that vulnerability that right. I'm struggling with someone that literally needs to be side by side next to me um, in a difficult situation where our lives are on the line. But it may be a little easier for me to open up to someone that I know has been there and seen and done things similarly, um, but they're not someone that I'm then going to have to kind of ride in the car with all day the next shift, if you will. Right. So really, you're trying to empower people to take action in their own lives as well as uh, build support systems that basically through interagencies are helping to support each other. Absolutely. I think empowerment is definitely a key central concept to it. We recognize culturally that our employees are doers, they're helpers, they're fixers. Um, They come in, they respond, they triage, they assist. Um, They don't ask for help and accept help easily. We need to give them choices. We need to empower them to take control of these things that they're exposed to. When I think culturally, we know that this is a group of individuals that often will help other people far before they'll help themselves. So as we start looking at this, what are the things that you all, um, you know, obviously these are stressful jobs and and can result in stress injury. Um, What are the things, what are the negative results that we see a lot that these programs were designed to help um, either prevent or preempt from happening? Um, Really, a lot of it is around um, a decrease in their on-the-job performance and then their personal quality of life at home. Okay. Um, Because it's really in two aspects. One is that it's a little easier for us to get our heads around, if you will, the idea that we're exposed um, in this world to very unique and different things that are above and beyond the normal, more negativity than normal. Um, We also have to keep in mind the real-life challenges that each of us faces. Um, These employees are going home and facing those things as well. Absolutely. Whether it's an aging parent, um, a difficulty in a relationship, um, problems with one of their kids at home, Um, And so for our staff, they're trying to navigate those issues just as the rest of us are, but then they come to work and they need to turn that off and armor up and they need to turn to support the community in their most vulnerable and negative moments as well. Um, And so it's just such a difficult balance that I think really helping our employees find and maintain that balance, um, helping them navigate both those personal challenges as well as those professional challenges Um, You know, I mentioned before that we ask humans to do superhuman work. Right. Um, It's very hard to be 100% every single moment of every single day, especially when people are uh, recording. There's media constantly looking um, and a lot of folks. Exactly. Looking to Monday morning quarterback, what it is that you do and why. Right. And we're asking these people to wear a lot of different hats. And and what what, what the, the bleed over from their professional life into their personal life is where we're seeing a lot of the breakdown Um, that you all are hoping to um, circumvent through the work you're doing, I'm assuming. Um, So tell me, um, I know you have mindfulness programs, you have yoga, you're doing some really kind of innovative work on self-care, let's call it. Um, How is that working in in an environment like this? Very surprisingly, um, it has taken off much more quickly um, than one would have thought. You would not think that public safety and emergency responder industries in a culture where 
you know, I'm the protector. I'm not vulnerable. I don't ask for help. You wouldn't picture cops doing yoga. Right. Um, you wouldn't picture 911 employees um, engaging in mindfulness training and retreats. Um, but our employees have actually really embraced it. They like the fact that um, to take a concept from public health, there's no wrong door. We have a menu of options available. And so an employee can choose whatever works for them at that given time, that given location. If it doesn't work, we have another option and another way to get to the same concept. Okay. Um, I would say one of our most critical successes so far has been the integration of physical therapy um, in with our agencies. Um, this was piloted first by our fire department, and then we've now been able to grow it and build it across our department. Um, in-house physical therapists that do ride-alongs and train alongside of our personnel, they understand their job duties, they're available free of charge, um, in our facilities for our employees to address injuries, whether it's something that happened over the weekend, you tweaked your knee, whether it's um, something that happened on the job, um, they can be workers' comp authorized treaters as well. Um, and so our goal is that we have these trained professionals who are excellent at what they do. Our employees trust them. Our employees trust that they can get them back to work where they need to be. But our physical therapists can also help them address that psychological aspect to injury. What are the things about this situation that are still in your head and bothering you that you can't quite let go of? What are your concerns about your long-term career ramifications if this injury doesn't resolve and go away? And how can we then help hand you off to those resources? Um, it's a much easier door for folks to talk about a physical ailment mm -hmm. than it is to pinpoint something that doesn't feel right or something that I'm not even sure if that's something that should or shouldn't be there. So I've learned in doing this work that often um, addressing underlying mental or behavioral health issues um, the door that it comes through is after an injury or um, a worker's comp claim or a physical therapy appointment that a lot of times um, those are where people are feeling more human to talk about what they're struggling with. Would you say that you all have experienced a similar um, effect from that or is that not accurate? Oh, no, it's absolutely accurate. Okay. Um, we know of at least a handful of occasions where employees have confided to our physical therapy team um, the, about some significant challenges that they were facing. Um, we know of at least one case where our physical therapist did, in fact, save someone's life. Wow. Um, where they this person connected at that moment and trusted that professional um, who was able to get them the support that they needed to navigate what they were facing. Which and, is, is valuable. Do you think that being able to bring programs like PT in-house um, that that shares a similar culture that you all um, have adopted. Do you think that um, that is more beneficial than things that you may outsource to other other groups or agencies? Again, I think it comes back to that balance. Um, okay. For instance, our mental health um, clinician contracts are outsourced okay. to vendors who are subject matter experts in that field. Um, so they're used to working with that community specifically. Yes, they gotcha. are. Um, they specialize in law enforcement, fire services, psychological services, and training. Um, it's really important to us to bring in vendors that can understand how to work with our people, the sense of humor, um, the types of things that they do. Uh, it just helps build that trust and that sure. buy-in on behalf of the employees. They're more willing to engage and to give it a chance um, if it's someone that's taken the time and the effort to learn more about them and what it is that they have to do. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a fantastic way to approach it. And obviously doing everything in-house is probably not the um, the easiest or most cost-effective way to do it. Um, and I know there's a lot of emphasis placed on physical health within the emergency responder community. How have you guys really done? I, I think you're doing some innovative work in, in that space. How have you taken that on? 
Um, so what we're doing is really working to integrate this holistic well-being program. Um, again, the great foundational work that our wellness and sh- our wellness coordinators have done. Um, fitness classes in house. Again, we bring yoga classes in house. Um, and now we've actually just recently launched a partnership um, with a local company to do comprehensive employee wellness screenings. Okay. Um, so blood work and uh, physical workups so that they can understand those physical potential vulnerabilities. And then they get complete wraparound services to support whatever they need to help get them physically where they need to be sure. to optimally perform. But as an added benefit to that, we're also um, engaging with them through this vendor to identify Are you struggling potentially with um, maybe you're drinking a little too much? So as part of our nutrition discussion, let's talk about, well, why are you drinking a little too much? What can we do to kind of change that up? Um, Are there providers we can refer you to? Are there supports that you need to help you get back on track to be more holistically healthy? So can we talk about the successes of a program like that? Is is that making an impact and difference? I would assume it is um, giving people this more empowered kind of whole health um, look at their physical health specifically. Every aspect that we launch um, to elevate our program a little bit more, we see more and more um, impact. It's very hard to measure. Sure. You know, wellness programs generally, the literature says they're very squishy. There's no real return on investment. Um, But what we have found is that um, we believe up to 10% of our employee population is proactively engaging in mental health support services. Wow. Um, which to us is a huge positive. That is fantastic. That they are willing to reach out and say, hey, I have something going on and I'd like to get some support. Um, we also know that in terms of our physical therapy program, that we're seeing a return on investment of $3.25 for every $1 that we invest in it. Right. So employees are buying in, they're utilizing the program. What that means for the city is that we're getting them back to work faster. Sure. Um, the severity of the injuries that they're suffering are is decreasing. Um, so those are lower liability costs to the city, um, obvious physical benefits for our employees if we can help keep them healthy and safe. Um, and then now that we've added in this third dimension with those proactive wellness screenings, every bit of that, we're so excited. Um, we know that that's going to show us great return on investment. Um, the more upstream that we can get to help people identify and have the tools um, to try and mitigate the inevitable as we age, as right. we're exposed, as and that's life all of happens. Us. Mm-hmm. The more tools we can give them, then the healthier and happier they can be. I love that you use the word investment. You use that several times, and, and I think that you're exactly right. What what you've taken on is making an investment um, in, in your staff, in your culture, and really changing this. What do you see the evolution? I mean, obviously things have changed a lot in 13 years um, that you've been doing this work. What, what do you think comes next? What's the What's the evolving version of this? I think we have to be committed to continuous improvement. Um, We also need to be committed to listening to our employees, what's working, what's not working, um, and really committing to keeping that pulse there, um, committed to keeping that investment. As, you know, the the word on the street is that the economy may be tightening. You know, we all need to tighten our belts and take a look at finances. It's really fighting to make sure that our employees understand this is not an area that we want to cut if we can avoid it. We want to make sure we're still investing, we're dedicating that to them, that we're committing to them. Right. Um, we're asking very hard work of them. And so we need to invest in them and we need to continue to uphold our end of that bargain. And I would imagine their utilization is a big important, uh, an important part of them, um, those programs continuing to exist. Absolutely. I love this. Um, such good work that you're doing. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted us to cover today? 
I think the only other thing I would say is that um, I mentioned before that everybody has stuff. Everybody has something. So um, if someone happens to be a member of this community, um, an emergency responder, public safety agency, and your agency does not offer these types of supports currently, but it's something you'd really like to learn about, we'd strongly recommend an organization called responderstrong.org. That's their website. It's a collection of agencies and advocates and providers from across the state who are doing great work. They do um, fantastic stuff. To bring these uh, types of resources and supports. Um, But for anybody, regardless of which community you belong to, um, we all struggle with things at times and we all get deeply in the weeds and you're not alone. You know, reach out, reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member. Um, Colorado Crisis Services is an amazing team. They are. They offer clinicians and peers to help you navigate whatever it is, big or small, because um, it can all be resolved. Thank you for underscoring that we're not alone. And and more importantly, thank you for your investment uh, personally and the city and county of Denver and the, the great work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful to have shared this time with you today. I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you so much. We are glad you shared your time with us today. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling, we are here to help. You are not alone. The Connection Project has resources that can support you. I encourage you to check out the Everyday Brave digital resource list, which can be found on our website, www.realpeoplereallife.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.